Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for ASHP's Practice Journeys podcast. This podcast invites members to share their stories about their professional path, their lessons learned, and how the experiences shaped who they are today. My name is Maria Krius. I'm the Director of Member Operations within the Office of Member Relations at ASHP, and I'll be your host today for the ASHP Practice Journeys podcast. With me today is Christopher Medlin, who's here to speak to his journey as a pharmacist of Hispanic heritage. Thanks for joining me today, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the invitation. I'm so excited. <laughs> Absolutely. So why don't we just start off with a little bit about you and your career and what led you to a career in pharmacy and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I was pretty lucky from a young age to have a decent exposure to the healthcare system. I was able to apply for a high school program that was a medical magnet high school. And so I got exposed to the healthcare system through that. I went into that high school thinking, I want to be a physician of some sort. And then I ended up going to a pharmacy during one of my first rotations. And during that time, I got to speak with a couple of different pharmacists. And at that point, I was like, okay, I think this is definitely something that I want to pursue. After that, I was able to be a part of the Cooperative Pharmacy Program, which was a program between the University of Texas at El Paso and the University of Texas at Austin. And so that program really gave me the tools to get through the transition from being a high school student into going into pharmacy school. That really led me towards a career in pharmacy. And like I said, I feel so lucky about that exposure so early because I really feel privileged in that I never had to question my career or explore so many different options before I decided that a pharmacy was a profession for me. I think that definitely is a blessing. A lot of people don't go straight into college knowing what they're looking for and what they're planning on doing. So I think that already having that background and that foundation really helps to guide you in your path and know that this is what you're meant to do. So I think that's great. Kind of taking it back a little bit more, can you share a little bit about your family's heritage, your ethnicity, and kind of your history and your family? Yeah, I will say that I grew up with fairly humble beginnings. I lived in a single mother household for my entire life. We grew up probably at or around the poverty line. But I will say that my mom was very persistent about how important education is. And she had always been that way, but especially after she was laid off from her job. And I remember seeing her struggle to find a job without having any formal degree. And so after that point, I feel like there was like a light bulb, like a switch that happened where she was like, okay, you have to go to school and this needs to be a priority because I don't want you to have the same struggles that I've had growing up. I think that played such a big role. And then just taking it a little bit further, especially in, in the spirit of Hispanic Heritage Month is, I don't know if you've seen the movie Selena, but I do feel that I relate a lot to her in that growing up half Mexican, half white, I struggled a lot with my identity and understanding what implications that identity had in my growing up and choosing a career and becoming what is considered successful and all of those things. So for example, I don't speak fluent Spanish. There's a lot of struggle that comes with that from the Mexican side where it's like, okay, well, are you Mexican enough if you don't speak Spanish? But I also pronounce things with the Mexican accent because that's how I grew up doing it. And so just all of these different things have all kind of contributed towards like my growth as a person and especially how I decided to pursue my career as a pharmacist. 
Thanks for sharing that because I know that it, that can be a big struggle for a lot of people that are in similar boats. Myself as a first generation Hispanic American, I know that I also mispronounce things or pronounce things with a certain type of accent and you can kind of tell that I'm not a fluent speaker. So <laughs> I appreciate you sharing yeah. that with me. So how would you say that your heritage then influenced your career? I know that you said you touched on having that experience in high school and then doing that co-op program, but what specifically do you think about your heritage and your ethnicity in general influenced where you are today? Yeah, that's a great question. When I think about heritage, I think about a lot of things and things that don't necessarily just pertain to being a Hispanic American. So for example, as I mentioned, I grew up half white, half Mexican and struggled a lot with that identity crisis, but also throw in being a part of the LGBT population really changes things and how you approach life and how you approach your own culture and heritage. And so that's been a really big part of my development as a person and especially going into a professional field. But I will say that I think heritage and all of those different intersections to my identity have really shaped my interest when it comes to both practice interests as well as research interests. And so trying to understand why do people not look like me on the national scale or people in leadership positions, why are many of them not Hispanic and what can we do to better fix that problem? Why is that still an issue? And so it's really utilizing my heritage and kind of trying to understand it and connect all those dots of those intersections have really pushed me to improve patient care as well as really motivated me to come back home, right? I left the borderland for a while and didn't see a lot of people who look like me, didn't see a lot of patients who looked like me. So I definitely wanted to come back and start to contribute to fixing those problems that I've identified over time. So you mentioned just not seeing people that look like you, just in different practice and research and people in leadership. So would you say that in your workplace specifically, do you see a lot of Latinos and Latinas? The short answer is yes. But I will say that I think that is such an exception to the rule when it comes Mm -hmm. to all of the different places that I've been outside of El Paso, which I can literally look from my bedroom window into the border and look (laughs) into Mexico. Here, we do have a lot of Hispanic pharmacists. We have a lot of Hispanic patients. The city is made up of 85% Hispanic people. I see that a lot here. And it wasn't until I left that I realized that that wasn't the case. And then I started kind of doing my own research because I was so interested in understanding the nuances about that, like how underrepresented are Hispanics actually in our profession. And so in pharmacy school, I did a research project that tried to look at why Hispanics choose to go into the pharmacy profession so that we could find some reasons why and then try and pinpoint those and target those to get people to want to apply to pharmacy school. I ran these statistics when I was a pharmacy student. So as soon as I got the invitation to this podcast, I was like, well, let me see how things have changed over the last couple of years. Looking at AACP data, which is the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy, for 2019, 5.7% of doctor of pharmacy candidates or recipients were Hispanic or Latino. And this is specific to first professional degrees, but regardless, 5.7%. If you pull up the U.S. Census, their estimate of the U.S. population that's Hispanic is 18.5%. So my question is, why is there such a difference between 5.7% of pharmacists being awarded doctor of pharmacy degrees and a population that is 18.5%? And even if that estimate is not exactly correct. Why? It doesn't register for me. Like I don't fully understand why that is still an issue. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So it seems like there needs to be some more intentional recruitment of Latinos. So maybe going into lower income areas or really just underrepresented areas to do some recruitment to have opportunities, kind of like what you said, where you had that opportunity in high school, where your magnet high school gave you those different areas to explore so that you can make the decision on your own. Maybe it's just a case of just not even knowing that that's an option. And then even so knowing it might be an option, but how do I get there? Exactly. And that's something that I've, I've really tried to sit on and figure out what's so important, but I think representation is probably the first most important thing that we can be doing for myself as I continue to work towards a career in academia and, you know, establish a practice site at a hospital here for the first time, just understanding that me being here is a first step, which is just so crazy. (laughs) Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Representation is so important. We hear about it in Hollywood and mass media all the time, but it's not just there. You know, if you little kid sees they're a Latino pharmacist. They're like, that could be me. So what do you think, I guess, could be done to kind of recruit Latinos a little bit more and draw them into the pharmacy field? That's a great question. And I wish I had a perfect answer for you. I will say that that small research project that I did identified a couple of really interesting things that I think you'll find kind of unique and interesting. So for example, as I asked the questions to the people who were I interviewed for that research mm-hmm. project, One of the themes that popped up that I did not expect, I actually didn't even plan on kind of quantifying the theme, if you could say, but one of the themes that popped up was some form of imposter syndrome and just feeling inadequate and not good enough. It was just like a light bulb for me where I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that all 10 of these people are all saying the same thing. And it made me think, okay, well, why do Hispanic students feel like they can't do it? Why do they feel like they can't do well on the PCAT or be successful in pharmacy school? Like, what is leading to that? And so I think that's one thing that I, that has always stuck with me from that project a couple of years ago as a reminder of, like, how can I better do that for my students and, you know, encourage them to be better. And then, like I mentioned, I think representation is kind of the first important thing that we can be doing going to student organization meetings and not seeing people like me, like I mentioned, in leadership roles, and then going to Baltimore from a border town and realizing that my co-residents and my preceptors had such little exposure to my culture. And it was just absolutely insane to me that they had no idea, number one, who Selena was, because everybody should know who she is. But number two, just knowing like, you know, that we celebrate Mexican Independence Day not on Cinco de Mayo or, you know, things like that, where it's like, how have you gone your whole life without knowing how just general things about my culture, right? So I just think those types of representations in different settings is going to be so important to getting people to understand and welcome and intentionally recruit people like us. Absolutely. I think it's so important that wherever you're going, you're representing yourself and your culture and everything that's important to you. So if it's something that you're passionate about, you should absolutely talk about it. You touched a little bit on imposter syndrome, and I just wanted to ask a little bit more about that and how you address that with your students. That's a great question. You know, I'm a new faculty member. I just started a couple months ago. So The world of academia to me is still fairly new, but I think even when I was in Baltimore as a resident, I actually sought out as many experiences as I could find that would be able to provide mentorship and opportunity to Hispanic students. So for example, I went up to Maryland and was like, okay, nobody here speaks Spanish, which I'm not perfect at Spanish, but I could have a conversation in the hospital with a patient. 
And I was like, you know, we should be teaching just basic medical Spanish to pharmacy students. And so I was able to kind of organize and get grant funding and do all this stuff to put on a Spanish seminar, which unfortunately got canceled due to COVID. But I was able to identify a couple of students who were Puerto Rican and they were like, let me be involved. I want to help students understand and be able to talk to my family if they were admitted to a hospital, you know. I think just creating those opportunities for mentorship and I cross my fingers and hope that they feel that that gave them an opportunity to explore their own heritage and understand that they're contributing something amazing to our profession by being Hispanic and just being here. I guess we'll have to see what they say. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. So I guess along those lines, how do you think the pharmacy profession in general can meaningfully tackle these racial disparities? So I think there's a couple of dynamics that play into that question. So number one is I think as a profession, we have a lot to do when it comes to showing our value and showing our worth on the healthcare team. And that transcends whatever racial makeup our profession is. And I think just getting people to understand and kind of be stakeholders in our role in the healthcare team is just kind of the first step and kind of understand what can we contribute to care that's provided and whether that's to Hispanic patients or not. Other things that I think would be meaningful within the pharmacy profession are seeing leaders of our national organizations who look like us. Again, just kind of retouching on that idea of representation. I've been really pleased to see a few people currently holding office who are of Hispanic descent, but just understanding that that is going to be so important for motivating other people because we have data that tells us that healthcare is better provided when you're being seen by somebody of your same race. And so if we have more Hispanic pharmacists who are representing us, if we have more Hispanic pharmacists in the community, in the hospitals, taking care of patients, then we can expect our care to be better. And then the last thing I would think of with that is just having those difficult conversations. So these conversations are so important. Just talking about why. Why do we not have people who look like us? And what can we do to better outreach to people? And what can we do to fix injustices that have so long have just been a shoulder shrug of like, well, that's just the way it is. And so having those conversations, I think, is going to be really important to advancing our profession. I love that. I love everything you just shared with me. And I think it's so true. I completely agree. I guess kind of shifting to the other side of it from the patient perspective, how do you think that these disparities in your care providers are actually affecting the Latino community? You touched a little bit on like, why doesn't this person look like me? Can you expand on that? Or do you have any personal experiences you want to share? Yeah, especially when I moved to Baltimore, I saw that there was a lot of unnecessary challenges that patients were having, whether that was interpreting what the vision was telling them, whether that was being able to access medications, whether they had the resources necessary to navigate the world outside and see a psychologist or get a referral to a dermatologist. Those access issues, I think, were kind of made so apparent to me. And especially now that I've started practicing back in the border, it is absolutely crazy the stories you'll hear. You know, for example, I had a patient this week who asked if they could be discharged so that they could cross the border and just go get seen in, in Mexico just because it was cheaper and more affordable. It was more accessible to them and their family. When I think about how Latinos are affected by these differences in like racial makeup, it just makes me think of access because there's just such limited access for people who don't know how to navigate our complex system. I think I don't know about you, but for me, even me navigating the healthcare system is challenging. And it's just crazy to me that we allow that to continue to happen. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Wow. Well, so you've really shared a lot of great information. And I, I can't agree more with just the different topics you've touched on, on just access and representation and showing our value to the healthcare system. I'd like to hear a little bit more. Earlier, you touched on different mentors and who's kind of led you into your career in pharmacy. Would you share a little bit about who's been your mentor, both personally and professionally, and how they helped to shape your career and your beliefs? So mentorship has been so important for my professional development. And it actually, as I was writing my teaching philosophy, as I was applying for a job, I knew instantly that mentorship would definitely be a part of that. And the reason is, I think those topics we touched on, like imposter syndrome and feeling inadequate and all of those things, I think I was spared a lot of those feelings because of the mentors that I've had over time, who, for example, Dean Ginsburg, who was one of the deans at my college of pharmacy, helped me study these kinds of things. And that was so important. And Dr. Padilla, when I came back to El Paso for my last year of pharmacy school, encouraged me to pursue whatever I was interested in. And then I had a couple of awesome mentors, like my residency program director, Dr. Tata and Dr. Deb, who met with me regularly and helped me pursue, for example, the Spanish seminar and things like that, where they didn't have to help you. But I try to think about how all of those different mentors connect. And really what the commonality is between all of them is just providing me the direction I needed to kind of pursue what I was interested in and follow my dreams. And so, yeah, I think those are the few that I can think of off the top of my head. Obviously, there have been so many people who have influenced my career and will continue to influence my career, but those are the kind of ones that pop off the top of my head. Absolutely. And I love that there's such an intersectionality between personal and professional. It's really hard to kind of completely dissect those two and say like, okay, well, this is my personal and this is my professional. It it is you as a whole. So I love that you shared that with me. So I guess kind of closing out, what other recommendations would you say that you have for the next generation of anybody that wants to kind of follow in your footsteps or wants to step up in representing their community? That's a great question. It kind of gives me like chills thinking about like the fact that I'm kind of on the other side of that now, right? Because I feel like I've spent my whole life being the mentee and being the person that wants to accomplish things. And, you know, I still have so much left to do in the profession and personally, but it's crazy to be on the other side of that. Regardless, I grew up in El Paso, which has a reputation for having not a lot of opportunity for growth, few jobs, especially for clinical pharmacists who are residency trained. But what I try to tell all of the people who I'm able to mentor is you should be trying to create the opportunities that you wanted as a student or as a kid or as a teenager who wanted things. Going to professional school in and of itself is a privilege and being awarded a farm fee is a privilege. And I always try to encourage people to leverage that privilege and create it for somebody else because that is your responsibility as you move on through your professional career and develop your own professional interests and things like that. That's probably the biggest advice I could give is just your eye should be on creating what you got or what you want for other people because that's the only way that we continue to push forward and make progress. I love that, you know, creating that opportunity and then passing it forward. All right, well, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Chris for joining me today to discuss his journey as a pharmacist of Hispanic heritage. Join us here for at ASHP Official for more Practice Journey podcasts. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. 
Join us next time on ASHP Official.